You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, man, it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, welcome those of you who are here in the cameo and those of you that are worshiping online. Uh, what do you say we talk to the Lord and pray and ask him to help us today? And if you're comfortable to do so, put your hand out in a position to receive. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you today, whether online or in person. Um, as we go to study your word, we're opening our minds. We're opening our hearts to receive from you the message that you would want to bring to us today. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for what we're going to receive today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Well, there was a common Scottish farmer. And in the area, he was known simply as Farmer Fleming. And one day when Farmer Fleming was working on his farm, he heard a scream, a cry, and he knew that it was an emergency. So he went towards the sound of the screams and what he found in what they call a bog in that part of the world, we would call it a swampy area, was a little kid who was screaming. He was in the bog, sinking down. And that little kid was terrified because he knew that if he didn't get help, he was going to sink down and die a horrible death. Well, Farmer Fleming walked out into the bog, grabbed the kid, pulled him out, saved his life. The little kid ran off, went home. Well, the next day, Farmer Fleming's just chilling at the farm, and this nobleman rolls up in a fancy vehicle. And the nobleman gets out, goes to the front door, and knocks Farmer Fleming, opens the door, and the nobleman says, Farmer Fleming, the little boy that you saved his life yesterday, that was my son. And I am so grateful to you for your kind deed of saving my son's life. I'm so grateful that I want to pay you for it. I want to give you something. And Farmer Fleming is like, no, you don't have to pay me anything. I'm just doing what any decent human being would do, you know? And about that time, Farmer Fleming's son, who was roughly the same age as the nobleman's son, walks up behind him. And the nobleman says, hey, is that your son? He's like, yeah. Farmer Fleming's like, yeah, that's my kid. And the nobleman has an idea because he's so grateful. He says, hey, look, Farmer Fleming, I want to pay for your son to get an excellent education. Would you receive that? And Farmer Fleming's thinking about it. And he's like, man, you know, I could never afford that kind of education for my son. And that could be a game changer for my son's life and future. So he accepts the gift. And his son did very well in his education, so much so that his Farmer Fleming's son ended up going, getting accepted into a medical school later in life in London, a great medical school. And he graduated from that medical school and he thrived in his career. And today we know of that little boy, Farmer Fleming's son, as Sir Alexander Fleming. You say, who's Sir Alexander Fleming? Well, he's the guy who discovered penicillin. So I want you to raise your hands if you're in the theater or post a hand emoticon if you're watching online. If you or someone you know has ever been healed of any type of an infection because of penicillin, just get those hands up real quick. Anybody? Okay, good. 
we can raise our hands today. We're experiencing healing today because one nobleman many years ago had an attitude of gratitude. He had a thankful heart and he did something about it. Now the story actually doesn't end there. See the, the nobleman, remember the guy that had the kid that got stuck in the bog, had to have his life saved? Well, he grew up and as he was growing up, he got a, as he grew up, he got a disease and he had to take a medicine to save his life. Guess what medicine it was? Penicillin, right? Well, that guy continued to thrive. The nobleman's son did. And the nobleman's name is Randolph Churchill, Lord Randolph Churchill. And you may not know about the nobleman, but his son's name is Winston Churchill. So not only did Churchill, Winston Churchill, take England through a world war, but he also got a high school named after him right here in San Antonio, Churchill High School, right on? So that's what really put him on the map, you know what I'm saying? But there's a high school today. People are getting healed all over today. A guy led his nation through a world war because of his dad who had an attitude of gratitude. People are experiencing peace and healing even today because of one guy who had an attitude of gratitude. Now, as we approach Thanksgiving, most people are going to sit around their tables at Thanksgiving and whine and gripe and complain about 2020, right? Are you sick of hearing about 2020 sucks? You know, 2020 is so lame. Okay, we don't want to be among the whiners this year. Can we just reclaim 2020 and say we're going to be the people who have an attitude of gratitude today? People don't get healed from whining. Whining doesn't solve COVID or anything else, but gratitude has a healing effect. And over the past couple of months, we've chosen to check our emotional gauges, haven't we? Because we want to remain emotionally well during this time to heal other people, right? And so we've looked at the five gauges, things like our relationships, right? We've looked at um, our worship and how that affects our emotional well-being. We've uh, looked at how we manage our finances and how we care for our physical bodies. And then we got to make sure and get out in nature's medicine. We got to keep this stuff up in order to stay well in these Days. And one of the things that we've noticed and our teachers continually talk about here at City Tribe is the importance of our thinking, our self-talk, right? And I really agree with the great heart surgeon who also was a pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he said, most unhappiness in this life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself, right on? Anybody besides me have those thoughts that just naturally are gonna come in that are totally negative, totally condemning, totally lame, um, but what we wanna do is talk to ourselves. So I wanna teach you today some good, healthy self-talk from the Psalms. So if you're a person that follows along in your Bible, um, open it up to the Psalms, and we're going to stay in the Psalms for the entirety of our time today. But as a launch pad for our conversation, we're going to start in Psalm chapter 100. And if you're not a person who follows along in your own Bible, you can be a slacker and just look on the screen. Okay, take a look at Psalm chapter 100. We're going to start out in verse 3, and here's what it says. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, 
and we are his. We're his people. And look at the next part. The sheep of his pasture. And look at, look at the next sentence. This is significant. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then he repeats it. He says, give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, there are a couple of things that are significant in this particular text, okay? One is the idea that he's our shepherd. And we're going to see the shepherd theme throughout our conversation today. That's a significant theme in the Bible and in our lives, the fact that God is our shepherd. But the second thing that's significant about that passage is that it tells us we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Look, the pathway into the presence of God is thanks. You've got to get your attitude of gratitude and thanks in order to experience the presence of God of God. God's everywhere, whether you want him to be or not, but there's something called the manifest presence of God, which means that you actually break into and experience the presence of God in your reality, where you are right now. And does anybody besides me want to experience like the manifest presence, like the real, like my eyes open and I know he's here with me and I'm experiencing him right now. Does anybody besides me want that right on? So check it out. Um, there, there's a big idea I want to give you today, and we call it the transforming idea. Sometimes we call it the one thing, um, but we want you to get this. And I'm going to have you say it with me out loud more than once today, okay? And it's just real simple. And it's, just, it's a choice where you say, because it's not natural for all of us. Naturally, I'm kind of a negative Nelly, okay? But here's what I'm choosing today, because I want to be in his presence. I choose an attitude of gratitude. Now, look, it's kind of rhymy, and I know for a lot of us that are cynical, that's kind of lame, but it makes you remember it when it's uh, rhymy like that, okay? So would you say it with me out loud? And those of you that are watching online, just post it in the comments or whatever. And here we go on three. One, two, three. I choose an attitude of gratitude. Okay, that was pretty solid, but here's, you know, some of you, have, have been living in the pessimism of 2020 for a little too long. And so the thing about gratitude is it starts inside and then it works its way out to your face, okay? It makes you smile, you know, when you actually experience the gratitude, right? So do you like being around people that look like they're constipated all the time? You know, no, no, you don't. There's, okay, it's like, man, yeah, you know, I'll give you a laxative. But anyway, um, so what we wanna do is we wanna allow the gratitude to make it to our face, kind of like the people that we videoed this past week. Take a look at these faces of gratitude. I choose to have an attitude 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 of gratitude. Yay! I choose to have an attitude of gratitude. I choose to have an attitude of gratitude. I choose to have an attitude of gratitude. All right, so do you see how they like they let it come to their face? I particularly like Lorena's video, like the wind was blowing, like she's a cover girl model or whatever like that. That was epic. And so what I want you to do is, underneath your mask, if you're sitting at home without a mask on, let it come to your face. And let's say that declaration one time. I choose an attitude of gratitude on three. Ready? One, two, three. 
I choose an attitude of gratitude. Okay, that was pretty solid. I can feel your smiles underneath your little mess and all of that. So um, since we're his sheep, let's look at David's attitude of gratitude in perhaps the most popular psalm in the Bible. In case you're new to Bible reading, that's Psalm 23. And we're going to kind of hang out in Psalm 23 for a little while and let it kind of get into us. So here's the psalm. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Anybody want that today? He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so let me show you something. Is that if you want, like David had, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude is an attitude of positivity. It's an attitude of positivity. Do you see how David said in that text, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. David's like, yeah, even though I'm being hunted down by people, surely your goodness and love are gonna follow me all the days of my life. David, if anybody had a reason to complain and whine, it was David because he had people trying to kill him. He had enemies on every front trying to take him out, but he was focusing on the positive. He had an attitude of gratitude here. It's kind of like that little kid that was out in his yard playing one day and he had a baseball bat and he had his baseball out there and his mom's kind of looking out the window at him as he's out there playing in the yard. And so the little kid sees his mom looking in the window, looking out the window at him and he proclaims to his mom boldly, mom, I'm the greatest hitter in all of baseball. And she kind of smiles. And so he throws up the little ball and he swings at it with the little bat and he misses it. And he's like, ah, strike one, you know, and then he does the same thing two more times and he misses it two more times. And his mom's kind of chuckling, you know, in the window. And she says, Hey, I thought you said you were the greatest hitter in all of baseball. And the kid says, Oh no, mom, I've just discovered I'm the greatest pitcher in all of baseball. See, I struck myself out. So, um, this is the attitude we've got to have the attitude of gratitude. And I think we would all agree that positivity is a good thing, especially it's easy to do it when things are going well, but it's harder to do it when things are challenging. You know, and I've met some people who remain kind of positive and perky and seem to paste on the smiles during hard times. And to be honest with you, the, the, the cynic in me wants to, to smack them and say, well, why are you so perky? <laughs> you know, but what I've come to learn, not just from the Bible, but also from science, is that these positive thinking people may be onto something. They may just have discovered something that I haven't fully embraced and I'm working on it because positive thinking actually does something to your brain chemistry. Uh, I've referenced before a book by uh, Dr. Norman Doidge. It's called The Brain That Changes Itself. And the science in his book that he talks about, you've heard us talk about it here on more than one occasion, is called neuroplasticity. And the idea is, is that our thoughts can change the structure and function of our brain. So people who have problems like cerebral palsy or strokes or sometimes mental illnesses through these mental 
and positive physical exercises can actually change their brains to feel better. Um, so here's how Dr. Deutsch puts it. He says, the brain has the capacity to rewire itself and or form new neural pathways if we do the work. Just like exercise, the work requires repetition and act, uh, actively to reinforce new learning. So when we do these positive, like the Bible talks about, you know, uh, in Romans 12, some of you remember that it's like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so as you're here today, as you're watching online, you're learning, you're mapping your brain with the truth of scripture. But how many of us got to like map our brains with scripture more than we map our brains with Netflix? You know what I'm saying? And so uh, we've got to keep it mapped to stay in this frame of mind. Now, as I talk about positive thinking from the Bible, um, I'm not talking about a naive positive thinking, okay? So no matter how much I think I can, no matter how positive I am about it, most likely I'm not going to beat LeBron James at one-on-one basketball. Okay, I, I can come close. You know, I've got a rowdy hook shot. But um, most likely I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not talking about naive positive thing. But what I'm talking about uh, is our mindset that I think is captured in a quote from the late Zig Ziglar. And what he said was, and by the way, I just like his name, Zig. That's a great name, isn't it? But he said, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. Is that not the truth, right? So it's like you'll never accomplish something that you don't believe you can accomplish or don't speak in a positive way about. Now, um, remember David said, you anoint my head with oil. Because he's, he's bringing out the mental facet of our freedom and our healing. Um, so he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now there are two facets of that truth, anointing David's head with oil. The first one is, is that God sent the prophet to anoint David's head with oil in order to endorse David as the king of Israel. But the second, second truth or facet of truth there in that passage is that the anointing of the head was a practice done by shepherds in that day to protect their sheep from bugs or from pests. Because sometimes these little bugs would crawl on the heads of the sheep and they would get in their fur and sometimes they would get into their ears and they would irritate the sheep so badly that some sheep would actually bang their heads on rocks because they're so irritated by the little pests on their head. So let me ask you this question. Do you ever have a little pesty thoughts that come to your head and make you want to bang your head on a rock? You know what God says, what David teaches us through the Holy Spirit is that as you and I enter his courts with thanksgiving. We come with thanksgiving, and you know what God does? He anoints our heads with oil to protect us from the little pesty thoughts that keep coming our way. So check this out. Here's another idea about gratitude. An attitude of gratitude means a choo choosing abundance over scarcity, okay? Abundance over scarcity. Remember how David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If you operate in scarcity, you always talk about what you lack, what you don't have. You know what we call people that focus on their lack? They're lackeys, okay? But 
David focuses on the abundance in his life, what he does have. See, he says, I lack nothing, even when he's having problems in this life. Now, there's a really great little book that I think helps us to learn about abundance versus scarcity. And it's a book called Love is the Killer App, and it was written by Tim Sanders. And in that book, he shows us the difference between scarcity and abundance. I want to show you a little chart, because if people operate in scarcity, they always think there's not enough to go around. Scarcity people think, oh, there's not enough attention to go around. There's not enough money to go around. There's not enough resource to go around, not enough jobs to go around. So I got to tightly hang on to and control what I do have. Whereas those people that operate in abundance say that there's plenty to go around. There's enough for you and for me. Therefore, I can share with you. People who operate in scarcity, they're like butchers in their relationships. Like, have you ever dated a butcher? You're just the next meat that comes across, right? If you ever work for a manager who was a butcher, you're just part of the corporate headcount. That guy doesn't care about you. That lady doesn't care about you. You're just there to make that person money, drive up um, the profits for the shareholders. Whereas if you operate in abundance, you're a gardener. Gardeners nurture the plants, see? They water them. They fertilize them. They feed them. Sometimes they do have to prune them, right? To cause them to grow and flourish in their lives. We don't want to be butchers in our relationship. We want to be the gardeners, don't we? But people who operate in scarcity, everything's a competition to them. They're competing with you for attention, for money, for everything else. They have no room for close relationships. But when you operate in abundance, you're a community builder. You build a community, create the tribe. You see what I'm saying? So we want to be a people of abundance. And as I was learning about abundance versus scarcity, I saw this story that was, uh, the study that was done that helped me understand it. And the researchers in this study, what they did was they had this uh, phone booth, okay, younger people, a phone booth. It's a place where you could go in there and you put a coin in a phone and like make a phone call. It's the most amazing thing, okay? So anyways, what they did in the study is that they go in the, you'd go in the phone booth and then some people, they would put a silver dollar in the phone booth near the changer. Well, then they staged this woman who when you would walk out of the phone booth, this woman would walk by and she would like drop her papers Kind of, she'd make it look like an accident, but it was really on purpose, right? And what they wanted to measure was how many people who would get out of the phone booth would help the lady with her papers, okay, when she dropped her papers. So what they did, what they found on the study was, is that the people who got the silver dollar in the phone booth were by far more likely to help the woman pick up her papers. Why is that? Because they had a mindset after receiving something, they had a mindset of abundance. Therefore, they had the capacity to share and help someone else, see? So I wanna lead you in a little mental exercise of finding your abundance. Because you have to think about it sometimes, don't you? We don't wanna focus on our lack, but we wanna focus on what we do have. And as I was doing this exercise myself just this past week, 
I was reminding myself of how much abundance I feel when I spend time with my wife. I enjoy spending time with my wife, right on. You know, it's like we like to take walks together. Sometimes we ride bikes together. We go out to dinner together. We lay around on the grass in our backyard together, right on. So we enjoy that kind of thing. That's where we find our abundance is being together. Now, um, some of you, you may find your abundance in thanking God for the robust cup of coffee you get to enjoy in the morning. Isn't that great? The morning coffee, that's a good time to chill and thank God that you get that. Thank God that you have meat in your sandwich because a lot of the world doesn't get to have meat on their sandwich. If you're a vegetarian, you can thank the Lord that you can put extra lettuce in your sandwich, you know? Um, there are all kinds of ways to find abundance, the things that you're thankful for. Thank you, God, that I have a car and there's only one warning light on the dashboard, right on? Uh, I thank you, Lord, that I have a place to stay. I got a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord. I have a cat, right? I like cats. You thank God I got a dog. You can thank God for your dog or whatever you have. Thank you that right now I don't have COVID, right? Thank you, Lord, uh, that things are good right now. Find your abundance and have an attitude of gratitude. Now, one of the things that we talked about and mentioned earlier is that when you operate in abundance, you're a community builder. And one of the times of greatest scarcity in this country was during the Great Depression. And some of you have relatives that are old enough to kind of remember that, remember what their parents experienced. Remember, they were shaped by the Great Depression and scarcity and lack, you know, because the economy was just so, so bad. Well, there's one woman named Sarah writes about her experience and she tells about the Great Depression when her family was down to one potato. That's all they had. And they thought they were gonna starve to death. But remember, when you operate in abundance, you don't focus on what you lack. You focus on the one thing that you do have. And they had that potato. And before you know it, they were community builders. And their neighbors come over and their neighbors, one neighbor had an onion. Another neighbor had some flour. And before you know it, all the neighbors were coming over, bringing what they did have. And they were eating the stew of community the stew of the tribe. And look, our tribe, we sometimes may not feel like we have a whole lot of physical possessions, but when we bring it together in the community of abundance, we're eating stew together in the tribe of community. Does anybody want to be a part of something like that, right? When in a world of scarcity, yeah, it's so good. So scarcity, the best way I can illustrate that is when I read this story about how people in Indonesia would deal with their monkey problems. Okay, there were these monkeys that were really hard on the environment and hard on their farms. And they had to catch the monkeys and relocate them. And so what they tried to do first was they would shoot these darts at the monkeys, you know, these blow darts or whatever uh, with tranquilizers in them. But the problem with that method of catching the monkeys was that the monkey would die from the fall a lot of times. And they didn't want to kill the monkeys. They just want to relocate the little monkeys, right? So who doesn't love monkeys? I mean, come on. So anyways, they, they, they created this plan to catch the monkeys. They took these gourds and they hollowed them out and they'd tie the gourd to the tree where the monkey's up there. And then they would drill a hole about the size of a little monkey hand in the gourd, and they would put peanuts in there. 
And so the monkey would come down. He's like, the monkeys can smell them some peanuts, right? So they'd come down to the bottom of the tree, and they'd reach their little monkey hand down in there, and they'd grab those peanuts that are inside the gourd, and then they would throw a net over them, and they'd catch them, right? So you know why they'd catch them? Because that monkey ain't going to let go of the peanut to get his hand out. All the monkeys hang on to the peanuts. And isn't that like people today? They're going to hang on to just peanuts and they're going to get trapped by scarcity because they just can't let go. See? So I want to do a little abundance exercise with you real quick. And what I'm going to ask you to do, whether you're watching at home or you're here in the room, I want you to reach into your purse, your wallet, your pocket and grab out some coins or uh, some cash or uh, your credit card, okay? Now look, those of you at home, don't mess with me. I'll come through that internet and get you, okay? Come on. So I, I found some cash in my pocket here. And what I want you to do, once you get it out, you put it in your hand, in your fist, like this, okay? So I'm gonna give you a second to get your cash card or coins out of your pocket, wallet, purse. Put it in your fist, hold it out just like this. Now, I'm going to count to three, and when I, say, when, when I say three, I want us to say attitude of gratitude, and then when we say attitude of gratitude, you know what to do. You just let go of it. Just drop it right there on the floor in front of you. Ready? One, two, three. Attitude of gratitude. <laughs> it's kind of scary, isn't it? Especially if you drop your credit card, okay? So... I know it's kind of scary for some of you, but here's what I want you to do from here. I want you, if you really need that money, by the way, and you're struggling, hey man, just pick it up and keep it. But if not, if you can live without it, if you can make it without what you just dropped, I want you to pick it up, put it in an envelope that's labeled attitude of gratitude. I want you to give it to someone who does need it. Someone that you see when you're driving around, someone's homeless. Now, if you dropped a credit card, please don't give your credit card to a homeless person. <laughs> the reason I had you drop your credit card is that's a reminder for you that the next time you're in the drive-thru, just plan it out. Plan it today or tomorrow or the next day so you'll make sure and do it. Next time you're in the drive-thru, use your card to pay for someone behind you. Pay for their food, pay for their coffee, Give them a five or a 10 or a $20 credit towards their meal and see what it does to you. Because look, God is a God of abundance. He owns everything. And God is a giver. He's not a taker. And I'll tell you this, when you're like this, can you receive anything? But when you do this and turn your hand over, you can receive from the greatest giver in the universe, and that's God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in a position to receive from the Lord. And so I want to let go of these peanuts and put them in the direction so that others can experience the abundance of God through me. See? So look at this next idea. Is that an attitude of gratitude doesn't mean glossing over the pain. And that's, I think, what irritates me sometimes is when people use Christian cliches like, you know, praise God anyway and all this kind of stuff, when they don't appropriately lean into the pain of what they're experiencing. And David was not a guy who glossed over the pain. Look at what he said. 
He said in, in Psalm 23, I think it's verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations call that the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me even when I'm going through the darkest of valleys. See, and so what David does, he acknowledges first the darkest valley. He leans into the pain. He gets it out into the open, the pain that he's experiencing. Now, a lot of people are willing to get their pain out into the open. When you get your pain out into the open and just focus on the pain, we call that country music, okay? That's what that's all about. But look, what David does is he takes another step. He does the first necessary step to get it out. But then he moves to the next step, which is gratitude, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, I go through the darkness, but your rod and your staff, they're gonna protect me and you're gonna comfort me, right? You're even gonna make a meal for me, a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, see? This is an attitude of gratitude. You know, I've, I've gone to, I've told you before, I've gone to a lot of counselors in my lifetime to fix my jacked upness, you know? Um, and one of my counselors told me one time, she says, um, your emotions are kind of like waves in the ocean. When you're going through a hard time, it's like a wave is rolling over you. But all you have to do is make it through that wave. And if you'll hang on through that wave, the water, the water will go down and you'll be able to breathe again. So all you have to do is lean into the pain of the moment of the darkness, the shadow of death. And that wave will roll over and you'll experience the feast that's in the presence of your enemies as you have an attitude of gratitude. Now, let me go ahead and get to the most important idea I'm gonna to submit to you today. And it's this, is that an attitude of gratitude is thankful for our good shepherd. Now, as I say that, you're tempted to think that's not worded very flowery. That's not a big, bold statement, but this is actually the most important idea in the passage. We enter his presence with thanksgiving. His presence is the important presence. Look, you can positive think your way all day long, but unless the Lord's presence is in it, it's not gonna be an ultimate kind of peace and healing in your heart. You know, the end game for David was he was saying, I wanna dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That's what he says in Psalm 23. And so he's able to say, because he focuses in on the goodness of his shepherd, the Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now look, a lot of us today are in a good situation. And let me tell you why. Because if you're here worshiping today, you're able still to express your freedom of worshiping God. Isn't that good? A lot of us have good things happen in our lives, don't we? We've got roofs over our heads. We've got food to eat when we go home. We currently have the ability to breathe. Isn't that good? And so let's focus in on that. And the reason that we have that, 
these benefits is because we have this good shepherd. Um, and you know why this attitude of gratitude is so significant for me personally? Because I, I very, very often remember the days when I wasn't doing well spiritually. Do you ever get in touch with those days in your own life? And remember, it's like, I remember the days of addiction when I was doing stuff that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do, and it had consequences in my life, and it brought pain, and it brought depression. I remember the dark cloud, the valley of the shadow of death. I remember those days, and I don't want to go back to those days. I like these days. And you know why I'm experiencing these days? Is because my good shepherd, he set the table before me in the presence of my enemies. He set me free from the depression. He set me free. And I still go through hard times, but I know his rod and his staff is going to comfort me and get me through. And he's going to do the same thing for you. And let me show you this other passage from the scriptures about our good shepherd, because this shepherd theme goes all the way into the New Testament and talks about Jesus. Um, and we're going to look at Luke 15, 4, where it says, won't he, Jesus, our good shepherd, leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, look at what he does. He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Look, what I want to tell you today is that even though you think you're one of the 99, you're the one, you're one of the ones. You're the one. And you know what your shepherd wants to do for you today? He wants to joyfully put that smile on his face. It brings him joy to pick you up and put you on his shoulders and carry you home to your eternal home. Isn't that good? Isn't he good? And you know, the love of Jesus, the love of our shepherd, if we let it, it can become cliche and trite. And we hear about it and read about it so often that we could take it for granted, but let's not take it for granted today. You know, the love of our shepherd is designed to not just be a I know it in my head thing. It's designed to be something that touches our hearts. It's designed to be something that we allow to melt us. And would you allow the love of your good shepherd to melt you a little bit today as you remember where you were and where you are now, what he's done for you. And you know, his love in this Luke passage seems a little bit reckless and irresponsible, doesn't it? Because like he's leaving 99 of them and he's going for the one. And what happens if something happens to the 99 where he's out here going to the one? It seems a little reckless. But that's how reckless his love is. He just can't stand it. If you're lost, he can't stand it. He couldn't stand it so much that Jesus left heaven and he came down here most likely as a brown-skinned guy who was oppressed. He was bilingual. He was working class. He was in an area that had been colonized by a violent group of people. And he experienced the violence firsthand when he was crucified on the cross and he was crucified there because he was coming for the one, the one who is you. Look, don't listen to the little bugs. Let the anointing oil drip down your head and protect you from those thoughts that say, ah, you're just a 99. No, you're the one and he's coming for you. 
today with this reckless love. And you know, reckless love is the title of this song that we play here from time to time. Our band plays. I love our band, don't you? I love the way they lead us and serve us in this way, don't you? And so check it out. They're picking to lead us in this song called Reckless Love. And the lyrics go something like this. There's no shadow, God, that you won't light up when you're coming after me. And some of you feel like you've been in this shadow of depression in your life, but today he's coming for you. It also says there's no mountain you won't climb up. He'll climb every mountain for you, coming for you. It says there's no wall you won't kick down coming after me. And some of you feel like that emotional health, spiritual health is on the other side of an impenetrable wall and you just can't get around it, under it, through it, or over it. And he's going to kick it down today because he's coming for you. And some of you have been listening to the little bugs that are lying to you. And it says, the song says, there's no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And some of those lies, you believe them to be reality and they're not reality. And the reality of the kingdom of God today is breaking through as we enter his courts with thanksgiving and we praise our good shepherd for how great his love is. So here's how it's gonna go down. If you're at home watching online, what I want you to do is find a place in front of where you're sitting right now. And I want you to just kneel down, kneel down and humble yourself before him. If you're in this room, I want to invite you to come to the front on these rugs or the rugs in front of or behind the sound booth. Or if there's no space there as you're social distancing, then in the aisle somewhere. And I want you to kneel down and humble yourself before the great shepherd who has the power to break through his manifest presence and bring healing in our lives, bring the healing of gratitude. And so here in just a second, I'm going to have you stand up. And when you stand, those of you are comfortable to come and kneel and praise you kneel and pray, join me in saying, thank you, God, because I'm remembering the way things were back there. And I don't want to go back there. I want to move forward, even though forward may mean a dark time for a wave. The wave will subside and I will experience the beauty and joy of your presence. And God, I want to thank you that I've got a roof over my head. I want to thank you for my spouse. I want to thank you for my parents. I want to thank you for my kids. I want to thank you that I got a car that has like a little bit of gas in it. I want to thank you that I got a bicycle. I want to thank you. I get to worship you today. And perhaps someone wants to come and kneel or kneel where you're at in your living room right now and just say, come for me. I don't know you, God, but if you're this good, I want to know you. And I want to be the one today that receives love relationship with you because I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus entered into that violent reality that he died there on that cross for me I'm the one today and I receive it in Jesus name so if you're here in the room let's stand up together and sing of the great love of our shepherd and you guys come kneel and pray as you're prompted
like a hot tub, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you that you're healing your people right now through gratitude, through worship of you as our good shepherd. We're experiencing not only protection from the virus, some, some are going to be healed of it. And we're praying that people wouldn't just be encouraged emotionally, but people would be healed physically. And we thank you that you're going to do that as we pray, believing in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, that you would be about healing our city from the virus. We pray the numbers would go down. We pray that you would heal our country and bring divisions together and bring unity. And most of all, we pray that people would experience you, that there would be real spiritual revival in this city and in this country where people like turn to you and experience you and submit to you as Lord and walk with you and are grateful for you because you're so, so good. So it's been super awesome, Lord, to experience you and worship you today with brothers and sisters, whether they're here in the room or online. And we can't thank you enough for the many, many ways that you've blessed us as a people. So we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray it. Everyone said, amen. Anybody feel like the Lord's been good to you so far today? Right on, yeah. Will you guys go ahead and take a load off. And as we wrap up today, um, make sure to be back next week because my dear friend, Pastor Jubal Garcia from Metanoia Church is going to be here talking to us about how relationships affect our emotional well-being. And so make sure and come on back for that one now. Uh, before you guys take off, remember the lesson of scarcity versus abundance, right? 
And we consider that in our generosity and our financial stewardship, right? When I hang on, it's me saying, I'm in control of my resources. When I let go, it's me saying, God, I can receive from you and I want to be a part of your kingdom economy. And so that's why we bring what's called a first fruit or a first priority tithe right here to the local storehouse, the church. And through that, you guys have cooked up a great stew of community as you've been praying for pe uh, paying for people's rent. You've paid for people's mortgages. You've paid for people's bills and food and all kind of stuff for people who are struggling, who are part of our tribe these days. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity and your hearts because you guys are truly not the Indonesian monkeys, man. You guys are the people that release the peanuts in order to see God bless other people. And I can't thank God enough for you guys. If you're new to City Tribe, here's how we can donate here. Uh, you can go online to citytribe.church and click on the tithe link there, or you can uh, mail your offerings and tithes in to the P.O. box that you'll see on screen there. In addition, you can text to tithe. You just simply text the number on screen, 74483. And in the text message, you type the word tribe space, then the dollar amount and press send. And if you're in the room today, you can drop off your offerings in the giving boxes located by the door or uh, circle back around to the lobby before you guys take off today. Now, um, before you guys uh, worship through your generosity, I want to ask you to, if you're in the room, stand up. If you're not in the room, stand up anyway. And remember... I watch you, okay? And I want to give you a benediction today that's from our vocal text, which is Psalm 23. And since, you know, we can't like put our arms around each other and all that stuff like we do. Now, if you're, if you're with your spouse or your family, you can put your arms around. But if you're not, just put your hands out in a position to receive from the Lord and let this Psalm be true of you today as we use it as our benediction. So dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, May you know that the Lord is your shepherd and you can just say, I lack nothing. I'm not a lackey. He, God, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Oh, you're getting refreshed even right now as you just hear those words, read those words. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, the darkest valley. I'm not going to stay there. I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And God put some tacos on the plate. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I someday I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You guys have an awesome Sunday. We'll see you guys next time. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.